Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the October 25th, 2015 edition of The Court Report, here on the Nahum Siegel Network. This is Season 3, our premiere episode, and this is the only place to get all your sports news and information regarding Yeshiva League sports. The Court Report comes to you every Sunday night at 7 p.m., as well as an encore presentation on Tuesday night at 7 p.m., right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Every week, we will take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. If you had a game this week, let us know. You can friend me on Facebook. You can also send me a message. My name is Elliot Weiselberg. That's W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G. Or you can like the Court Report fan page. You can also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is YLS Wise Guy. That's Y L S W E I S G U Y. Because if I don't know about it, we can't talk about it. Once again, thank you to our amazing sponsor back with us for yet another season, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Crown Trophy of Brooklyn has been servicing the Yeshiva League for over a decade now, and if you've won a championship in the Yeshiva League, you've already benefited from their amazing handiwork and craftsmanship, because that trophy, it's theirs. Please give Mike, Larry, and the entire gang a call at any point this season at 718-769-4111 for all of your trophy and plaque needs. I've used them several times over the last few months, and I'd be it'd be very short-sighted of me to say it was anything less than stellar. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official, analyst, but most of all, like you, I am a huge Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing efforts and accomplishments of these kids with you each and every week right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Speaking of which, if you have a smartphone and haven't downloaded the NSN app already, please do so. You'll have access to all of our episodes of The Court Report from the last two seasons, as well as this season. Plus, you'll be able to send in comments for each show. Ask again, please keep the comments nice. Much like the show is not about me criticizing, degrading, or disrespecting players or coaches, please be courteous enough to do the same. I hope everybody had an amazing summer. We are back for the third season of The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network, and I cannot wait to get this season kicked off after practices and practices and practices and the holidays in between. It is finally time to get this season underway. So... In several of our leagues, the season has already kicked off. Given the schedules over the past couple of weeks, we couldn't really get to uh, to kicking off the show. But now we are ready to go. So a couple of games happened this past week in hockey. There was one game in, boy, in, in boys varsity basketball, one game in girls basketball. We will get to those over the course of the show. However, today's show is going to be mainly about doing the varsity hockey preview uh, in our interview with TABC head coach Mo Fuchs. Originally, the plan was to do the hockey, JV, and varsity together, but given the scheduling over the next couple of weeks, where we were originally going to be doing our basketball preview next week, however, that has to be pushed off a week, and the fact that the week after is going to be uh, I wouldn't say a dead week, but because I will be in Memphis for my first ever Cooper Memphis Invitational Basketball Tournament, we've decided to spread things out a bit. So for this week, we're going to cut Mo's interview into two. I had this interview with him this past Monday night. So we are going to be doing the varsity preview this week, and we're going to save the JV preview for next week. I hope that doesn't put a, uh, a kink in anybody's plans, but I figured that it would just be best to spread this out so that we can fill our time accordingly. And as you're going to 
see over the course of our interview with Coach Fuchs, as if for those who also remember last year, what he has to say is extremely entertaining and very valuable in terms of information. So me talking to him, I had a lot of fun, and I hope it was the same the other way around. I also had the opportunity to take in his game against Ramaz the next night, which kicked off all basketball, uh, all bas- sorry, all hockey and basketball action. This was a hockey contest in Ramaz, which we will get to a little later on in the show. If you are a returning listener, thank you very much for coming back for our third season. It has been the people like yourselves who have made this show exactly what it is. I appreciate all the feedback that you've given to this point, and I look forward to more in the future. If you are a new listener, though, thank you very much for joining us. I hope that you enjoy what happens over the next hour and over the next season, and I hope it makes you a repeat listener from here on out. Just for those who may not know, my name is Elliot Weiselberg. I've been involved in the Yeshiva League for the last 11 years as a coach, analyst, and uh, and uh, official, mostly on the hockey end, but definitely have uh, made my way around the basketball end before that, several, several years before that. I was like you. I was an athlete in the Yeshiva League, wishing and hoping that there would be something sort of like this, just a show to highlight the accomplishments, not really of myself only, but for all the people around me. You know, I would go to games, and um, uh, I would see my friends play, and it just it just didn't feel right that uh, that that this was all we had. And so with the, uh, with the good graces of Nahum Siegel and the, uh, the, the past, uh, the past inclusion of Isaac Beneshai, the sports update on JM and the AM was created. And out of that came this very show over the last three years, we've made leaps and bounds. First year, we started off with a half hour show that uh, was really just a, I guess you would call it a, a recap show. It was you know, me going through scores and results didn't really get much substance. And last year, through the good graces of the Nakam Segal Network, I was granted an hour, and the possibilities opened up. We have interviews. We have we have thought-provoking questions. We have many things that you guys enjoy so much here on the show, and I've gotten so much feedback for it. And I thank you, and I cannot wait for the third season to really get underway. Uh, this is going to be a very exciting season. There are several things coming up. We have tournaments in basketball coming up. We have some interesting uh, revelations in in hockey with some of the divisions and with some of the extracurricular activities that could find its way to the fore. And we look forward to talking with um, you know, talking uh, with other people about it, having interviews with people, and also just expounding on them with you guys uh, right here on this very show. So let's kick things off the right way for the 2015-2016 Yeshiva League season. We're going to start off with the with the varsity hockey preview from uh, an interview that I had with Coach Fuchs this past week. For those of you that listened in last year and took note of uh, took note of our uh, preview, you'll notice how many of the things that we uh, that we spoke about actually occurred over the season. So you could take a little bit out of what he and I discussed and and maybe just keep it in the memory bank as the season goes on. Uh, there are a couple of surprises that we discussed and a couple of things to look forward to. Again, like I said, we're going to do varsity hockey today. Uh, next week, hopefully, we'll get around to JV hockey, and in a couple of weeks, we'll move on to we'll move on to a basketball preview. Doesn't mean we're not going to do basketball. Right after Coach Fuchs uh, and I uh, have our discussion, we're going to move over to varsity basketball for the loan contest on the week. 
and then over to girls basketball a little bit, and we'll preview a little bit of next week in those sports as well. And then we'll return to hockey afterwards, because hockey had several more games over the week, and uh, that'll fill up a little bit more of our time. Look forward to getting into the regular groove of things, and uh, I guess a little more on the other side of the Cooper tournament. Um, Hopefully for the next couple of weeks we'll have a number of interviews while the game results rack up, and we'll eventually head into the, you know, we'll eventually do our our usual scores, recaps, uh, standings, uh, future games, and any games of note that will really impact the league. For right now, with uh, with a little lack of that, it's going to be a little bit more interview-based, and I hope you enjoy what we've picked out for you. So uh, without further ado, we're going to start out with the interview with Mo Fuchs surrounding the hockey, uh, the Varsity Hockey League. With me on the line right now is head coach of TABC Varsity and the director of hockey operations for TABC, Mo Fuchs. Mo, here we sit Monday, October 19th, the night before the season begins. You guys, TABC, face your Maz tomorrow night to open up the season. Are you guys ready for this game? Well, I certainly hope so. I mean, we've been practicing uh, since the beginning of September, and uh, we have uh, a lot of returning guys this year who are seniors now. So I, I'd like to think we're ready, but I guess, you know, when we drop the puck, Elliot, that's when we find out. Well, we'll get back to your team in a couple of minutes as we run through the Varsity preview. We're going to go through each division, each team. We're going to first give you a little preview about the leagues themselves. First we'll do Varsity, and then we'll do JV. So let's start off with Varsity. The Varsity League is going to be the same as last year. You have two divisions with eight teams, only five making the playoffs. The only difference here are the teams. The Heschel experiment is over. One year and one win, and the Heat team is no more. In place of them is going to be the returning Westchester. So each team is going to play 14 games, 12 of them in conference and two of them out of conference. All right, so we're going to start off in the East uh, because that's where our defending champions lie. And we're going to start off with them, the Hafter Hawks. Last year, the Hawks, 11-1-1-1, Eastern Division champions, defeating DRS for the second year in a row in the finals. Big losses on that team coming in. With very few contributing seniors on the roster last year, this squad is mostly familiar faces. But you can't understate the loss of key seniors Evan Fader, the offensive leader, and Emil Schertz, the grit and spirit of the 2014-2015 team. Going back to two years ago, this JV team, uh, that JV team, 7-2-0-1, third place in their division, lost to Rambam in the semifinals. But as seems to be the case with Hafter in recent memory, this team is drastically different than that one. That squad already featured many of the stars that we talked about last year. Zachary Kramer, Jake Berger, Yehuda Sigelnik, Jacob Fold, goaltender Ryan Gluck. Since that team, several key pieces have been added, including the pickup of Sam Schechter and Gilad Kirstein, two key components in last year's championship run, and are also going to get a major boost in the form of Donnie Goldberg, DRS transfer from last year and from last year's JV team, now hitting his junior season, as well as a summer transfer of Daniel Lichter from Rambam. Mo, with the defensive depth having been the Achilles heel of this team two years ago and the maturation of Ryan Gluck into the goalie that we saw in last year's championship, have the Hawks locked down the East before the first ball even drops? Favorite, yes. Lockdown can't go that route when, you know, their rival just on the next block has made it to the uh, JV Championship each of the last two years. And I know... They're weakened by the loss of, of Lichter transferring to Hafter, 
and arguably with all the defections from DRS and, and Rambam going to after, maybe put Schefter over the salary cap, a little <laughs> joke in there for you. You know, it, it weakens Rambam and strengthens after, but to say lockdown, no favorite, yes. Moving on to Rambam, actually, last season, the varsity team, a disappointing 5-7-1-1, putting them into fifth place in the Eastern Division, the last playoff spot, and falling to MTA in the first round. As you said, you know, the Ravens find themselves with a little bit of an issue, having not had Lichter this year. But this year, as opposed to last year's varsity team, much better shape personnel-wise. The reunion of that squad that went to the JV Finals two years ago, Again, minus Lichter, but with last year's additions of junior David Green and Josh Galibter from Mag and David and MTA, respectively. And a maturation of a senior class that includes 2015 All-Star Charlie Altman in net, Ezra Cinnamon and Josh Saltzman at the points, and Daniel Kerman up front can only benefit from the inclusion of this junior class, as you said, that has gone to the JV Championship for the last two years, led by Harry Tannen and Avi Orlau. Just going between the two, Rambam and Hafter should be neck and neck fighting for the crown, as you alluded to. Uh, just to note, it's not going to take long for the two to meet, because the first meeting of the season is going to be November 9th in Rambam. Now, a team that you didn't mention that people really need to take note of this year is Flatbush. Flatbush, uh, last year, um, well, back in 2013 first, 2013 was a historic year for Flatbush. Last year, not so much. A 4-8 and record and missing out on the playoffs, finishing in sixth place. Flavich's 2015 crew is going to be a good mix of juniors and seniors, and is going to be one of the deepest teams in the league. Returning is an almost, um, sorry, an almost intact defensive unit that includes Shaq Mizrahi, Ralph Kram, and Abe Goldman. On the de- offensive end, Falcons return Sam Beta and Daniel Esses. And the team as a whole is going to be bolstered by junior Sam Laniato returning to varsity after playing JV last year, where he's going to attempt to duplicate his freshman year, where he put up double-digit goals for Flatbush. Along with him is going to be Joey Habert and Natano Nemet, as well as Aaron Kuby is going to battle with senior Moshe Iluz for the starting job in net this season. They should be a market improvement over last year's squad, as this group was the four-seed in the playoffs without Laniato two years ago in JV. Now, back to a team you did mention, DRS. Last year, second in the East in the regular season, 11-2-0-1-1, and an upset victory over championship favorites, you guys, TABC in the semis, before losing to Hafter in the finals. In JV two years ago, this is the same group, well, not the same group, but the same team that lost one nothing in overtime to SAR in the first round, as you noted, people that have left since that game, when they were the East two seed. And as you said, a lot has changed. It's not going to be your typical DRS team, is it, though? Well, for sure. But also, that team that lost one nothing, while they, they did have a couple of defections, also did pick up Eitan Arie, who I don't believe played two years ago. That's correct. correct. That's okay. correct. And he is definitely a workmanlike, difficult player to play against. Very fast. Very hard worker. I know this is not your typical DRS. Dynamo, but it's a DRS team that's going to work very hard, and I think they'll surprise some people, but the biggest key for them is going to be, uh, you know, Gabe Miller and Gold's going to have to step up and, and give them good goaltending every night. I'm not saying you have to be eating good Pete Harry, I'm sorry, but they, they will compete every night. They will put bucks in the net, and they will compete. Larry and and Steven Jenner will get them to compete night after night, and any team that takes them lightly will be stunned. 
And they're going to be juniors like Andrew Giller and Miles Keller who are going to get a very big chance to jump in because of the, uh, the loss of defensive depth to graduation. Moving right ahead, right. moving right ahead to Hank. Last year, the Canes went 7-3-2-2, finishing third in the Eastern Division, losing to SAR in the quarterfinal round of the varsity playoffs. The core players that made last year's squad so successful, that being Josh Wangrowski and Ezra Kushner and Josh Geller, are gone, leaving behind a capable, gritty group that should hold its own and manage a postseason appearance, and maybe more if it plays its cards right. Matthew Maslin and Zach Ehrenhaus are going to lead an experienced group of seniors, including David Schwartzman, David Urbanapur returning to hockey from basketball, and the second-best Berg line in New York these days, Yoni Goldenberg and Matthew Rosenberg, who, based on last year, will be painfully necked for opposing defenses all season. The battle for the net is going to belong to two juniors, Andrew Marks and Mutti Geller, both of whom split time for the JV last season. Finishing out the East are going to be North Shore, Magan David, and Solomon Schechter. Uh, starting off with North Shore, fourth place in the division last year, defeating Ramaz at home in the opening round before losing to TABC in the quarters the very next night. Very few players returning from last year's squad, with only four seniors on the roster. The bulk of the work is going to fall likely on the shoulder pads of JV All-Star goalie Jack Tagerstein as he attempts to keep his squad in an uphill battle for one of the final spots in the division. For Magan Damon and Solomon Schechter, both of these teams finished last year at 2-12, and rounding out the division. Megan David, buoyed by junior Michael Mamey, is going to make a race of it for the fifth seed in the East, as will Solomon Schechter, led in net by Jeremy Holden, goaltender of last year's team who shut out Flatbush in Flatbush. So that about wraps up the East. Once again, you are listening to The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host, Elliot Weiselberg. It is our season premiere. We are running through the Yeshiva Hockey League preview on the line with me, again, is TABC head coach Mo Fuchs. Mo, we're going to head out west a little bit, more towards your territory. Uh, we're going to start off actually with your boys, the TABC Storm. Last year, your boys finishing 13-0-1 atop the West. Lone regular season point not earned was a 3-3 tie to DRS, the same team that you would fall to in the semifinals 4-1. Two years ago, this group that you have now won the JV Championship, led by the same core of five leading the charge now this year. Daniel Levy, Yair Noller, Ari Fuchs, Shuana Orr, and Kalev Minsky. Now, just go back to last year for a second. You know, TABC Varsity losing their second time in the semifinals. Is, is there a contrast to the two semifinals for the last two years? Well, there's a huge contrast, Elliot, because two years ago in the semifinals in our own building, we were an underdog in the game day after we had gotten blown out by them during the season. Nobody expected our varsity team to be very good that year, and we overachieved, and and we had that game uh, late, and just a couple of things went against us, and we ended up losing in overtime. So really, as disappointing as it was to lose that game, that team really overachieved. Last year's team was a very different story. We were undefeated and and really picked the worst night to have our B game, and that's what we did. We basically played an okay game. We played a B game. It was pretty much the first time all year we played to that level, and DRS showed up and played an A game, and so we ended up losing a tough game. It was disappointing because there we were the favorite. Everybody expected us to go on to win, but as you know, there's a reason why you dropped the puck, and you can't take anything for granted, but there's huge contrast between those two teams. Keeping those thoughts in mind, Last year, we talked on this show about the necessity of heart and soul for your team. 
Given that and adding in the fact that a team like Hafter is not going to vacate its crown without a battle, is there an additional sense of urgency to rally around that mantra this year? Oh, 100%. I mean, our practices have been far more spirited this year than even they were last year. Uh, and it seems like a very driven group, but, you know, five months from now, we'll find out how driven or not. I'm going to ask you the same question I did last year. Anybody that people aren't looking at from your squad that's going to turn heads this year? Well, I think, one, Joe Moskowitz has looked fantastic for us. Right now he's on our second-line defense. He's not a player who's uh, who's ever been really looked at. He, he did step up up in Camp David this summer and played very well, including scoring in the championship game up there. Uh, he has really shown another level to me in practices, and I hope he takes that into the game starting tomorrow night. And I would say if, uh, he's probably the one I would look at uh, to say he's stepped up to where he had never really received a lot of respect and he could surprise people. Once again, TABC will kick off, or did kick off the season. Well, I say will because right now, again, it's Monday night, but you will be listening to this on Sunday night. TABC kicked off the season this past Tuesday night for a game that we will recap next week on the court report. Moving ahead to uh, to the school not too far away, Frisch, last year's hard luck group, 4-7-1-2, sixth in the West, missed out on the playoffs after going through the gauntlet all season. Is that fair to say that Frisch really went into last season with the odds stacked against them because of their schedule? Well, I mean, first of all, it had, you know, the most difficult schedule in the league. Well, we did and they did because we had the same exact schedule. But Frisch managed to do something last year. I probably venture to say has never been done in the history of the league. I'm pretty sure they lost six one-goal games. That's incredible. Which meant that really in every single game they were right there and competitive and either just found a way to lose or knock it over the hump, which is just an incredible thing to do. So it's, it's you know, probably as a coach for them would have been so frustrating because you know you're so close and yet so far, and it's funny because nobody wanted to see them in a playoff setting. I mean, after all, they beat DRS last year who got to the championship. And they also and they also managed to find a way to tie Hafter. Despite all the all the issues surrounding that game, they ended up tying Hafter. Right. I think there were two things that you, you take out of that. It's funny, two East teams ended up in the final, yet the West was such a stronger division. So it was really a, a bizarre year in, in varsity last year. It was such a bizarre year. Right. I, I, I even said on this show going into the playoffs, I would not be surprised if I saw four West teams in the semifinals. And here we are having two Eastern teams battling for the championship in which, you know, have to, you know, eventually won. But, right. it's, but it seems like last year's Frisch squad seemingly was this, uh, was a you know decidedly solo effort on offense. You know how Odie Haramadi went, so did the Cougars. This year, though, I think there's going to be enough scoring talent to spread around with uh, the brothers Stevie and Yehuda Brin leading a group that includes Jordan Sokoloff, Brian Alter, Ryan Eisner. And on the defensive end, even though they lost a large chunk of talent to graduation, I really think that this is where that junior class is its strongest. You know, having Johnny Newman, Jacob Silber, Sammy Weichner, and behind them in net is going to be Matty Reinhardt. Uh, and so the, all, all this combined should keep them in battle for a quarterfinal home game at the very least, at the very least with our next team, I believe is going to be SAR. A year after missing the playoffs, this thing finished 11-2-0-1 
the second seed in the West, defeating Hank in the first round in their rink before losing in what I believe is the longest game in Yeshiva League history, other than the uh, 1986-87 championship, which apparently hasn't been decided for 28 years, 2-1 to one to Hafter in quadruple overtime. Uh, the main core of that group is gone, but several players still remain. Uh, seniors Josh Rosenberg, Azriel Lavie, Ellie Bess, and Ariel Smith in his first full season in the Sting uniform. It's going to feature a group that is heavy with, uh, with 11th graders, sorry, with 12th graders, as scoring phenom Solomon Freilish, Joey McGilner, and Ellie Gelfand are pretty much it from the 11th graders on the squad. Offensively, the group is a capable bunch, but with some glaring voids on the back line, the singer going to reach down and bring up two members of its phenomenal sophomore class and two of its leaders from last year's JV championship team, Shua Friedman and Jason Burian. Uh, we're going to touch a little more on this later. I know we, we, you and I probably figured to touch on it now, but I think it bears a little more importance to the JV team than it does in varsity. So I think we'll get back to the questions I have on this a little bit later on in the show. Heading down to Ramaz, last year 8-6, and six, finishing fifth in the division, losing to North Shore in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, the Rams field a very small roster, only 12 players, but I think it's a little bit misleading. Among the few are a handful of extremely talented hockey players, including third-year varsity player Alex Glaubach and fellow seniors Jaron Feingold and Gabe Silverman, as well as 2015 JV All-Star Ali Haddad. Mo, in theory, if you can make three lines that play at a high level, that being 12 players, will it really affect a team like Ramaz to not have a bench behind them? No, the only the only way, that, that, that won't affect you in a game. That would only affect in how you run your practices, but not so much in a game. And I, it could be a positive. It could be an absolute positive to have, you know, three solid lines all the way across the board working hard in practice all the time and in games. Uh, I don't see it as something that, would sink a team necessarily. It's just if, God forbid, you had an injury or two or a suspension or two, that's where you could run into trouble. But as a general rule, because we're sort of not like the NHL, we don't lose players too often to that type of injury or over the course of a long season. No, I don't see that as something that could sink Vermont in any way. Speaking of losing players, I'm, I'm so happy that you use that terminology. Let's move down to the next team on our list, Kushner. Kushner finished off last season 10-3-0-1, third in the West, dropping their quarterfinal game to finalist DRS 4-0. Could definitely have been worse if not for the goaltending of junior Jack Rees. From that team, a definitive portion has now moved on, including captains Louis Rees, Elon Slonim, Effie Amin. But they're also going to be without one piece that no one anticipated losing, that being Jack Rees, who's decided to forego senior year and is now in Israel. So, now, goaltending, a strong point for this Kushner squad in the past, is now in limbo. Uh, on the positive note, there are, they, are, they are one of few teams that is a four-grade combined team. So, in truth, all contributing members of this team, except for the ninth graders, have previous varsity experience. So you're going to look at senior superstars Alec Rabinowitz, uh, Arthur Greenfield, both main contributors of this team, and both main contributors to last year's squad as well, uh, who will have a good young core beside them. Uh, juniors Ellie Slonim, Jonathan Malik, Sam Roth, Danny Blank, uh, giving a strong support system to Izzy Golko, who will be between the pipes. But the question still remains, given how imperative Jack Rees was to this team, is there enough to make this team a playoff contender, much less a team to threaten for a title this year? Well, it's very interesting. I mean, I still believe 
that Alec Rabinowitz is most one of the most underrated, if not most underrated, player in all of Yeshiva hockey. Uh, I think people who went to Camp Covid this summer got a, a, a look-see at how good and how talented he is. Oh, there's no question. He was easily the best defenseman on the varsity list. Yeah, he's, he's extremely talented with the puck. The question will become how much help he gets around them. I, I think Kushner, what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to win their home games because, you know, it's a tough place to play. It's the rink. And it, it, it's funny because, Ellie, when you break down the East and the West, the, the West really has totally different dynamics when it comes to home ranks as opposed to the East. It's so different in the West and the East because you have two two schools who play in rinks and Ramaz on the rubber floor and, you know, it's a, it's such a, a, a different game playing in a rink as opposed to a gym, whereas, you know, nobody in the East plays in, in a rink at any time. Uh, actually, I'm going to I'm gonna just backtrack because I, I what I did forget to mention, actually, there is one rink in the East now. I forgot to mention when talking about Flatbush. Flatbush moving into their new digs, um, opening up a new uh, auxiliary gym. They're no longer playing in the in the huge basketball gym that they played in the past. They actually have a hockey a hockey specific rink now, and it's not a rink as you would see in SAR or in uh, or in Kushner. It's a room that is literally a rink. It's shaped like a rink, so it plays a little differently. The walls are padded. It in and of in and of itself, it is rink shaped. So the East is a little is, is going to catch up a little bit because you still have the rubber floor at Rombaum, and there are a couple of other gyms that have their quirks. But I, I, I get the point. The point is very well taken. Yes, yeah, so it'll be interesting as far as Kushner, you say. I mean, they're really going to have to win their own games. I, I do believe that they have an advantageous cross-conference schedule, which could help them. Well, it's, it's ironic that last year on this very interview, we debated the merits of disbanding the JV team and having one team. And here we are one year later finding the experience that was gained by the younger players may have been more necessary than we thought. Oh, 100%. But I want to tell you also, for full recent coaches, Kirchner, good times are ahead because I know not for the sake of this conversation, but their junior, junior high, high team is an extremely strong team. So yeah, that, that, you know, they will get back into the JV League in another year or two when these 7th and 8th graders reach high school. Finishing up in the Varsity League, though, uh, we have three teams left in the West. We have MTA, last year's fifth seed. The Lions finished with a record of 8-6, and six, dropping Rambam in the first round before losing in a very hard-fought quarterfinal to Hafter. Uh, this group, though, is a very young group, having only six seniors to 12 juniors on the team. Repeating the same feat of last year is going to be a very daunting task for them. Rami Nordlich is going to be the most experienced member of the squad, and is going to look, you know, look to juniors like Zach Borgen, Arie Beanstock, to bring MTA back to the postseason. I'm not sure who is starting in that. I believe that, uh, you know, at the very least, Jacob Boym is uh, a key member of last year's uh, moderately successful JV squad. Should see a majority of the time between the pipes, and should give them a decent chance at a playing game opportunity, especially if Kushner doesn't win the home games that you mentioned. Just rounding out, we're going to go with JEC and Westchester. Now, JEC, last year, 4-10, and 10, uh, may not get that much better this year for the Thunder. Seniors Huda Whites and Yitzis Wickler are back for JEC. But I think it's very evident that the fate of the Thunder is going to rest on the pads of junior Jason Silverstein, who is going to need to stand on his head to keep this 10-man roster in games. Uh, he's shown for years he's capable. The question is whether or not his team is going to have the ability to make whatever he gives them uh, stand up on the scoreboard. 
Finally, with Westchester re-entering the varsity after being a JV-only team for a bit, going to look to Ezra Ellswig on defense to be the team's key contributor. So that about wraps up the the main portion of varsity. Just a couple of questions I want to tackle with you before we move on to JV. Scheduling, because the schedule changes, uh, and that sort of really make an impact on it. Let, let's talk about the, the winners and losers out of this. Um, from the schedule, who really benefits and who who gets really slammed by it, a la Frisch, from this coming year? Anybody that you see? Well, I, again, I thought, you know, Frisch got hammered last year, but gains a little bit of an advantage this year uh, in, in switching over. And I think that, you know, SAR now gets the difficult type of situation because they moved up in the standings last year. So it's funny how year to year it could be so so different in that regard. You well, know, uh, SAR will have to go to DRS, but they'll host uh, Hafter. So, which could be very interesting, very interesting to see a team like Hafter show up and how they play in a rink in that small little rink and how that game plays out. So, again, I felt like a Kushner gains a big advantage based on their cross-conference schedule and trying to make the playoffs, or a JEC and how that will go for them. So, because, you know, for some of the teams making the playoffs, it is a big deal. I think Kushner getting to face Hank at home at North Shore, Hank easy, easily the harder matchup of the two, having to come into Kushner and play in that rink. Uh, after seeing what happened to them last year in SAR, uh, in the playoffs after having SAR come to them and only tie. Kushner, I th- like I said, I think Kushner really gains an advantage out of that, and I think Hank is going to have a, a little bit of difficulty with that. Thankfully for Hank, they get MTA at home. So that's a, that's a game that they probably should win. So my, for me in the East, I actually think surprisingly Hank gets a bit of an advantage given that they have they get to face MTA and Kushner, and that's going to go a long way for me in helping them uh, climb in the standings. Because you look at somebody like Ramam, who has to face Ramaz and Frisch. You look at DRS and Hafter, who have to face UNSAR. Um, you look at Flappish, who have to face Frisch and Ramaz also. Could open the door for a school like Hank, for a team like Hank, to take MTA at home, who they are probably higher on the totem pole then, and then even go into Kushner and steal a game. And those two games, um, I know you like to... You like to use the, the mantra of win your division and everything else is, you know, everything else is just gravy. But this is a case where those two games, and MTA and Kushner, could really come and make a difference in the playoff situation for the East. Out West, though, surprisingly, I, I agree with you. I think Kushner is very much at an advantage getting to face Hank and North Shore. I think that's going to be a lot harder for a school like MTA to take on Hank. But Kushner is probably the best situated to actually take advantage of Hank, especially because it is at home. And... That's going to make a difference when it comes to the playoff race. Uh, when you have Ramaz facing Rambam and Flatbush, uh, Frisch facing Rambam and Flatbush, and TABC and, and SAR, as you said, uh, splitting time with DRS and Hafter. I mean, I'll tell you the other thing, Elliot, and don't discount this, but you know, JC arguably has one of the two or three best starting goalies in varsity hockey. So while everybody considers them a weak team, if Jason doesn't give up any goals and they're playing a couple of easy cross-conference games. Oh, they can surprise people and pull off a playoff spot. Ah, they, they can easily back their way in with Solomon Schechter and Magan David on their schedule. they still got to get through. Oh, and they have not to mention uh, the, the other games that they have in division as well. Yeah, I, I mean, last year we saw the number of games you really needed to win. So if JEC goes in, takes... Uh, 
one or two from Westchester, takes one or two from MTA, finds a way to beat a team much higher up on the pole in one of the games, they're sneaking in in the, in the, in the, you know, in the final spot, maybe even a little higher. As we said, Silverstein is, is an extremely capable goalie. He definitely can put it together for them. Um, again, just got to see who can step up for them and make what he does in net count. Oh, 100%. I mean, look, they're going to have to win games one nothing, 2-1. to one. That's what you're assuming going in. And, you know, I'm assuming that they'll be coached to play a very defensive style and and play those that type, type of uh, game. I, mean, I guess maybe they'd be best off having Jacques Lemaire, you know? One last question before we move on to JV. Last year was the first year of the uh, of the new playoff format for for varsity, having lopped it down from six teams to five. Looking back at last year, what did the change in playoff format do for varsity? I know we're going to point to Frisch and talk about how they didn't make the playoffs being stronger than a lot of the East teams. I mean, it's a difficult question because you know you want to say a team that it was a few games under five hundred should they make the playoffs? Yet nobody wanted to play them in the playoffs, so. You know, we were undefeated and we were happy to see them out in, in respect of not having to take any chance of seeing them later because they were capable at any moment of getting hot. Remember, the two teams who played in the finals, they beat one and they took the other all the time. It was, certainly didn't seem fair to them, yet somebody else could say, well, look, they, you know, lost so many one goal games, they didn't deserve to make the playoffs. Ah. Again, our biggest problem, though, centered around the fact that if it's about the kids, why cut down on the amount of playoff that type of situation, more than whether a team really deserved it or not deserved it. Saying from a record perspective, rather than that, but saying, you know, if it's about the kids and getting teams into the playoffs, you know, I'm not quite sure why we went from six to five. I think this goes back to the conversation we had last year. I do want to ask, though, just to play the, play the devil's advocate on it, Last year, though, for the last, was that not one of the most intense and interesting last two or three weeks we've had leading up to the playoffs for a, uh, for Yeshiva League's varsity season, though? No, I guess that, that could be the positive point made about it. I have mixed emotions about whether it was a good idea or a bad idea, so I'd rather just take the approach of it is what it is. Just to, just to refresh people's memories, how neither, neither league's five seed was determined until literally the last week of the season with Rambam, Flatbush, and North Shore going neck and neck for the last two spots in the East, and Frisch on the cusp of, uh, of actually making a run and making it into the, into the playoffs a couple, uh, with the potential of pulling off a couple of upsets leading into, leading into the last week of the season. As the, the season starts tomorrow night, let's just hope for similar competitive, competitively matched season. So, and I think, I think it will be, Elliot. I think, I can speak more for the, for the West. I think that, uh, that final playoff spot will be, there'll be a big push there. There'll be a big push and they'll be very competitive for the final playoff spot, I believe. Once again, you are listening to The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host, Elliot Weiselberg. We are sponsored by Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Uh, once again, that was the first part of our two-part interview with Coach Mo Fuchs. That was for Varsity Hockey. Next week, hopefully, we'll get around to airing the JV Hockey uh, preview that we uh, that we had discussed. Uh, right now, we are going to move over to basketball a bit. So let's kick off the Varsity Basketball season for 2015-2016. Varsity basketball would start off its regular season with a very familiar matchup. 
DRS, last year's finalists, dropping the championship to Hefter. Returning back, many of its stars rode into Brooklyn on Wednesday night. Their opponents would be the Flatbush Falcons, looking to rebound from a disappointing 4-10 and season, with the addition of several key juniors from last year's vaunted JV squad. For those keeping track, this is the same matchup that played out the 2014 JV Championship game, with one noticeable change being the obvious exclusion of A.B. Perlow, no longer on the Wildcats roster, now in Hafter. Two years ago, with both teams coming in with undefeated records and clearly at the top of the league, DRS pummeled Flatbush, winning the championship by 18 points. Without Perlau, however, just how much closer will the rest of the league be to DRS? This game would be the first challenge. In the early goings, it was the Flatbush Falcons in control. Flatbush, behind center A.B. Rosau, went on a 10-0 run after a DRS bucket and worked the quarter into a 13-6 lead, with additional thanks to Louis Zarif, who, following on an Akiva Ackerman missed free throw with three seconds left, nailed a long-range shot at the buzzer to extend the Flatbush margin. In the second, Flatbush would extend its lead to 10, but also nearing a danger mark on the foul count, sending DRS to the line several times. The 10-point lead would remain, though, into the halftime break, with the Falcons up by a surprising 25-15 margin. Rosau would open up the third with yet another bucket, and Kevin Haddad would add a foul shot a minute later, but DRS would find its way back into the game, going on a 13-3 run to tie the game at 28 late in the third. The Falcons would break the slide and add a three to their total in the closing seconds, and were able to maintain a one-point lead, 31-30, heading into the final quarter of play. Ten seconds into the fourth, though, DRS would take the lead on two of Lifer's game-high 19 points. However, the Falcons would regain the lead on an Albert Richter three, and it would go back and forth for a few minutes, but it appeared that the DRS onslaught had worn out the Falcons, and the relentless pounding inside to Lifer and Judah Levine manifested itself into a 40-36 to Wildcat lead, a score that would stick into the final minute of the game. 24 seconds left in the game, DRS ball. Rosau would draw an offensive foul and knock down both of his free throws to cut the lead to two. DRS's Jeremy Brody would be sent to the line intentionally for uh, for two shots, missing the one-and-one. One. DRS would get the rebound but turn the ball over, giving Flatbush a chance at the tie with 20 seconds remaining. Following a Flatbush timeout, the Falcons looked to work the ball into the hands of Rosau, their leading scorer for the game with 13. But the big band would be called for too many steps. DRS would inbound and get the ball into the hands of Joab Deutsch, who would be fouled with two seconds left. Deutsch would nail both free throws to ice the game, giving DRS the early season 42-38 win over their key division foes. The question still remains, with a game this close between the two, what does this mean for varsity basketball? The loss of Perlau means that DRS now falls a bit closer to the pack, but considering how DRS struggled for most of the game, does this now open the door for teams like Frisch, SAR... TABC, and even Flatbush and defending champion Hafter to pull ahead into the driver's seat that DRS held two years ago? Again, we are only one game in, so it's way, way, way too early to tell, but the result is enough to drive a ton of speculation across the league, and it will be a discussion for our varsity basketball preview, which will hopefully happen in a few weeks from now. On another basketball note, just a few minutes ago, the Cooper Memphis Invitational Basketball Tournament unveiled its seedings for the ninth annual event, which will kick off Thursday, November 5th. 
Both of these teams, DRS and Flatbush, will be heading down to Memphis, so we could see a rematch of this very game if the seedings work out right. However, even if they don't, there are plenty of other Yeshiva League matchups to look forward to, as both Hafter and North Shore will be participating. There is no love loss between these four teams, as all four are Eastern Conference rivals. It'll be interesting to see how the seeds are determined, and whether or not the selection committee will give us some juicy contests. As always, though, there will be the contingency from across the nation competing as well, including Eula, who will look to put a dent into the matchup plans. I've already had my ticket booked, and I'm very much looking forward to going down to my first Cooper Memphis tournament. Hopefully I can get some first-hand accounts, some interviews, and uh, call a game or two, which I will hopefully highlight them when I get back on this very show. First, though, this coming week we'll see the basketball schedule kick off in earnest with nine games on the slate in varsity basketball. The biggest slate will be this coming Tuesday night. In the first matchup, Hillel will face Kushner. There will also be MTA and SAR. There is no love loss between these two, especially those who participated in last year's triple overtime semifinal contest in JV, which saw SAR victorious 33-32. to On Tuesday night will also be YDE at Rambam and Hafter at North Shore. Hafter and North Shore will meet up here in what will be a Cooper preview. Also on Tuesday will be Ramaz and TABC matching up in a contest between two storied Western Division teams. Thursday night will feature two games. First will be North Shore at Heschel, and also will be Rambam at Hank. Hank will turn around, and on Saturday night will face Shari Torah in Shari Torah. Rounding out the slate next Sunday will be Hillel at MTA. Boys JV basketball did not have any games this past week, and will reach its first contest uh Today, actually, uh, the first contest will have finished about an, uh, roughly around now, uh, as Maor opens up their season uh, in the West at SAR. Tomorrow night, we'll see North Shore and Derechatora square off. Derechatora, now a now a JV only squad featuring Alex Matovich, the one of the leading scorers from last year's varsity squad. We'll touch a little more on the impact of Derechatora being in JV again when we get to our our basketball preview. On Tuesday, a triple slate: DRS at Hank, Ramaz at TABC, and YDE at Rambam. Wednesday will feature three games as well, Mag and David at Shari Torah, Ezra at Flatbush, Hillel at JEC, and on Thursday there will be two games, uh, Frisch at Maor and Westchester at Heschel, and on Sunday we'll have Maor at Kushner and Hillel at MTA. Quickly moving over to girls basketball, only one contest on the week, and that was Maya Note trouncing Westchester this past week. This coming week, Five games on the schedule for Girls A. Western contest on Monday night. Kushner will travel to Bruria, whereas in the east on Tuesday, Ramaz and Flappish will square off. Wednesday night, we'll see Hillel and Maya Note and Hafter and Heschel do battle. And Thursday, we'll have Westchester traveling to SAR. Moving down to Girls JV, which also kicks off this week. Tomorrow night, Kushner and Bruria will square off. Tuesday night, we'll have Central and Frisch, Hafter and North Shore, and Ramaz at Flatbush. On Wednesday night, SAR will play North Shore, and will then on Sunday face off against Frisch. On Sunday also, Maya Note and Flatbush will do battle. 
Let's go back to the hockey side of things. There were a couple of matchups on the varsity slate. We're going to start off on Tuesday night with the doubleheader, or not really doubleheader, but the two games that went on that night. The first game, uh, JEC dominated Westchester 13-0, allowing the shout-out of Jason Silverstein to open up the season. The more endearing matchup of the night was TABC Ramaz, a battle of uh, two teams with very high expectations this season, as you heard in our preview. Um, TABC kicked off the scoring halfway through the first on a laser by Shuna or Ramaz would tie it up about midway through the second on a power play for a Joe Moskowitz penalty to tie the game at one. A little later on in the period, about two minutes left, uh, Ari Fuchs made a breakout pass to Daniel Levy all alone, cutting in on the Ramaz net and placing it in the basket for a 2-1 lead. About 30 seconds later, linemate Yair Noller slammed one home from in front to give TABC a 3-1 lead. In the third, Ramaz would get another power play, and on this one, Jared Feingold roofed it up top, making them 2-for-2 with the man advantage and cutting the lead to 3-2. However, 20 seconds later, Levy put it top shelf, to extend the lead back to 4-2, and then 20 seconds later, Noller, making a nifty little play in front, poked it 5-hole for the 5-2 lead. Ramaz would attempt a comeback, and with a minute 28 left, Jacob Smigel would put in his second of the night. However, it was not to be, as TABC walked away with their first victory on the season 5-3 over the Rams. The very next night, there were two more games in varsity hockey. The first game was between North Shore and DRS. In that game, DRS trounced North Shore 6 nothing. In the other game on the night, Flappers traveled out to Hank to face the Hurricanes. First period, Flappers opened up a 3 nothing lead on goals by Elliot Stein, Nathan Mosseri, and Sam Beta. Hank would look to get back in the game early in the second, and got a goal from Matthew Rosenberg to cut the deficit to 3-1. to one. However, Flappish would go back on the offensive again by junior phenom Sam Laniato, scoring twice to make it a 5-1 game. Hank would attempt a late comeback, Zach Ehrenhaus on the power play, making it 5-2 to two in the third. And then, uh, with about uh, 10 minutes left in the period, a couple of minutes later, uh... Joseph Lindenblatt added another to make it a 5-3 deficit. Uh, they would be able to get no closer, though, as uh, Flatbush would walk away with the 5-3 victory. In the last varsity matchup of the week, last night, MTA and SAR squared off. It would be two juniors making contributions in the first period. As Solomon Freilish, who we, uh, we mentioned in the preview, scored a natural hat-trick. And Joey McGillner would notch one to make it 4 nothing SAR at the end of one. Second period was scoreless. SAR, though, dominating play in the third. SAR would add two, with uh, Ellie Best scoring a nice shot off of great speed from Ariel Smith. And Freilish would add a fourth, uh, picking up a loose puck in front of the net and burying it top shelf. Jonah Amron recorded the shutout. So SAR, with the 6 nothing victory, now putting itself atop the West and making itself a force to be reckoned with. As the season goes on, it'll be interesting to see how these juniors fare in the rest of competition. Looking ahead to the coming week, some explosive matchups on the schedule. Uh, Monday night, uh, four sets of games will have... North Shore at Hafter, 
MTA and SAR will do the return trip of that game last night, this time in SAR. Uh, JEC will op- will uh, open up Mag and David's season. JEC looking to capitalize on that shutout last week over Westchester and uh, hopefully go up to nothing in their division to, uh, to to start the season. Westchester though will look to rebound against the Jack Reesless Kushner Cobras that same night, Monday night. Wednesday night though, five games on the slate, a couple of really really big ones. The first one, Frisch at Ramaz. Uh, that'll be huge for the West. Ramaz not wanting to go down, uh, no wins, two losses this early in the season, especially to a Frisch team for which they'll be battling for a playoff spot. Also that night, North Shore and MTA in the in the second uh, interdivisional game of the of the season. Of course, the first will be JEC, Mag, and David. Um, also that night, uh, really really good matchup uh, between Hafter and Hank. Uh, and Mag and David and Rambam will also do battle Wednesday night. But the big game on the slate is the uh, the 8 o'clock game in TABC between TABC and DRS. Uh, last year's game between, games between these two, there were two games. First one in DRS to cap off the regular season. DRS, as we said, standing in the way of TABC's perfect season, tying uh, the Storm in DRS 3-3 to end the regular season, and then only a few weeks later, upsetting the Storm 4-1 in TABC to to knock them out in the semifinals and send DRS onto the finals. So right off the bat, the varsity hockey season was some really stellar games. If you can make it out to that Wednesday night game, I'd say do so. It is going to be a phenomenal matchup. Um, TABC favored in that one. But don't discount DRS. They've been they've been the underdog in the past, and they've come back and they've taken these games. Um, so if you can get a chance to make it out to Teaneck, uh, TABC is a great place to be on Wednesday night at eight o'clock. Also next week, uh, next this coming Sunday uh, is going to be Westchester and MTA doing battle, and Solomon Schechter will face off with Hank. Moving over to JV now, there were only two games on the week. Uh, Neither of them particularly close in the first game. Uh, both of them were Wednesday night first game. DRS dominating North Shore 6-1. And uh, in the other game, Hank defeating Rambam 6-2. Uh, Josh Blitzstein scoring four goals for the Hurricanes. Bernie Maslin and Yoni Hazan each adding one in the winning effort for Hank. Yoni Grossman and Jacob Corman scoring, each scoring for the Ravens. Looking at the week ahead, though, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, actually, seven games. The other game today, that was today at 3 o'clock, Shari Tor faced off against Flatbush. Over the week, though, uh, several really big games uh, based on the new divisional alignment, which we'll hopefully get to over the next uh, over the next week. Uh, tomorrow night, North Shore will meet up with Hafter. Wednesday night, four big games. Frisch will face Ramaz. North Shore will face off against MTA. Shari Torah and JEC will square off, uh, while Hafter and Hank will battle out in the Eastern Division. Thursday night, we'll see YDE and Mag and David face each other. And next Motse Shabbos, TABC and Ramaz will do battle on the JV end. And that is your slate for the week in JV hockey.
Before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you again for listening in. Uh, those of you that have listened in the past, you know how this show works. You know we love to, to recap. We know we love to, to preview. We love to put the standings out there. But again, this only really helps if this is a team effort. We need the help from you to help us round out what we know. We get the scores. We get, we get the information. But it only really works when everybody works together as a team. We need your help to make sure that we have the most full and accurate report possible. Please, if you have a game, send us your results. Send us your recaps. Send us any little piece of information that you think is, is, would be good for us to mention. Also, if you have anybody, any topic, any, anything that you feel we should talk about, let us know. If you have somebody you feel would be great to be an interview for us, then please let me know as well. I look forward to talking with people and to doing whatever is necessary to make this league um, as amazing as possible, not only for not only for the kids, but also for the, the parents, the, the officials, the coaches, and the school the school administrators that listen in and, and feel that this show is, is you know, as amazing as we hope that it is. So again, this is a team effort. Please, let's all pitch in and make this show as amazing as it is for the kids and for the other participants as we really, really want it to be. Generally, at this point, we would do the Words from the Wise segment, but that's going to be pushed off till next week uh, for, to start that. So for now, uh, once again, thank you to Mo Fuchs, who, uh, who cooperated for our, our fir- the first half of our hockey preview, the Varsity Hockey Preview. Hopefully next week we'll get around to the JV Hockey Preview, and we'll recap a big week of action in hockey and basketball. So looking forward to that. Uh, if you missed any part of any episode this season, You can catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., or you can find the Court Report on iTunes or the Nachum Siegel Network app. Tomorrow morning, jam in the a.m. with Nachum Siegel from 6 to 9 a.m. live on the stream NachumSiegel.com or on your radio, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM, Rockland County. Once again, a huge thank you to our sponsors, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Thank you so much, Mike and Larry. Thank you to the entire gang for once again sponsoring our show. This is the third season that Crown Trophy will be with us, and hopefully this is a, this is one, another, yet another season where Crown Trophy is in your lives. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning, starting this Tuesday morning on JM in the AM at around 7.20 with the Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page on Facebook, please do so and click the Like tab. See you next week right here on the Court Report, only on the Nachum Siegel Network.